Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, if you're familiar with Reformed teachers at all, what you know is that they can take a verse and make like three books out of it. This is one of the fun things about like those little Puritan paperbacks from Banner of Truth. I remember the first time I discovered uh, John Owen and he wrote a book on the glory of Christ and he wrote it on one verse, uh, John 17, 22 or 23. And I thought, how can you write a whole book on one verse? And I, I think the answer is, um, of course, the, the Puritans were especially touched by God, but this demonstrates how much truth and glory there is in the scripture. It's mm-hmm. it's like a, a each verse is like a, a hole that has a bottomless pit on it that you can never truly exhaust. And so we are mining like good miners, the uh, ascension of Christ, as we've said in previous broadcasts, that this is one of the under... Um, emphasize doctrine of the the work of Christ, but it's an important one. Um, perhaps can can you quickly summarize where we've been so far? We started in John um, doing the pre-work of Jesus, talking about um, the fact that he was going to leave. The disciples are sorrowful. As a result, they, they can only see the loss um, of Jesus going up into heaven, not anything to be gained by it. And then we turn to Luke and Acts, and just briefly started to look at the fact that when it actually occurs, the disciples are full of joy. They worship God because of the fact that Jesus is going to the Father. And we talked briefly just about why that might be. And today we're going to just come back to that a little bit and, and flesh out some of the details that we've, we've left behind. So let's start at the, the end of Luke again. Uh, I know we read this yesterday, but... Uh, It says in Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 50, says, Then Jesus led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from heaven and was carried up into heaven, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Now, if, you, if you've been in a Reformed church before, I remember the first time I experienced this at the end of a service, typically the pastor will stand up behind the pulpit, lift his hands up over the congregation, and then give something like, you know, number six, uh, the Lord Bless, bless you, you and keep, and keep you. you. And keep you. Uh, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Here, here Jesus, I'm trying to get it in my mind's eye. It seems like he is setting that pattern, right? Like he lifts right. up his hands to, to what? Well, probably bestowing that blessing upon, that's how I vis- visualize and, and it. And the whole point of a blessing like that is it. You know, if you go back to number six, this is the way God puts his name on his people. Yeah. He's He's claiming them. He's naming them. He's, uh, you know, and so he's, um, the the blessing is 
to know that you are his. Yeah. And this is what he's done. He's blessing them in a way that <laughs> says, uh, you're still connected to me. You, yeah. There's still union with me, even though I'm going uh, to the Father. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we've talked a little bit about that book, uh, Gentle and Lowly. By the way, we're going to give some of those books out, I think, at the Voice Reformation Conference. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's a compilation of several Puritans. One of the Puritans, Thomas Goodwin, he has a uh, great book that he wrote, uh, Christ's Heart Towards Sinners While in Heaven. And the thesis of the book is that we're tempted to think that Christ loves us less because he's such at a far distance from us now. And what Goodwin shows in his book is that at every point, Jesus is always preparing, just like a, a good parent would prepare for his own departure from this earth, put it, putting his uh, inheritance in the will for his kids. So Jesus has done the same thing so that we can never doubt his love for us. And he does this as he ascends into heaven by blessing them. I mean, the very last mm-hmm. act that he does on earth yes. is blessing his people. Yeah. And that, that's a that's a wonderful thing. Jesus is the great high priest. Uh, he's, the, the, he's the greatest prophet. He's, he's the great king. Uh, and he is our great high priest. Um, and he gives this blessing, which uh, is not really, I think we, we can claim that blessing too. It's not just for uh, those who were there at that moment, uh, but for all who belong to him. I, I also think it's important to point out, he, he leads them up to Bethany, lifting his hands, he blessed them. Then verse 51, while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. Notice that that's passive. He was carried up into heaven. Uh, It's not he, under his own power, you know, zoomed up into heaven. It's very intentional. Uh, He was carried. And and that accurately reflects the Greek in that text, that in a very powerful way, this this is the affirmation of the Father on the completed earthly ministry of Jesus the father saying well done it's it's and lifting full, him up yeah this this whole thing about him blessing it's a full circle too if you if you remember from genesis uh, when it talks about jesus uh, talks about god creating uh, man and woman god creates man and woman what are the first words that they hear it says and god blessed them yeah and so um, this is the completion. This is the this is the the beginning of the restoration of all things. In that blessing is is uh, a better than Eden, a better than creation. This is a God blessing them to, you know, um, in that wonderful union that they're going to have with Him. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the whole idea of God blessed sinless Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. By the fall, that blessing has now become a curse. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, how can that be restored? And this is what's happening. You know, we, you know, we sing at uh, Christmas and joy to the world, but really, that's not a Christmas hymn as much as it even could be said to, to be an ascension hymn. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found, and that's mm-hmm. the the point you're you're mm-hmm. making. Sinless Adam and Eve were blessed. The curse, you know, now that blessing's become a curse. Mm-hmm. Now the restoration here. And it can only be happen because of the second Adam, Jesus Christ, perfectly fulfilling the will of the Father, the Father who sent him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now the Father is receiving him back 
um, as Phil was saying, mm-hmm. saying, well done. Yeah. Well yeah. Done. And the, connecting this to, to the covenants and, and to redemptive history, it's, it's now where that promise to Abraham will, will begin to find its full fulfillment. The promise to Abraham back in Genesis 12 was that, that Abraham's family would be a blessing to the nation, his offspring. Mm-hmm. Well, here Jesus is ascending into heaven. And what's going to happen? We're going to see this, you know, coming up at Pentecost where there's just an explosion to all the Gentile nations of the gospel, thus fulfilling uh, the promise of the Abrahamic covenant. Yeah. Um, and re- remember that Jesus charged them just before his ascension, he charged them, wait here, stay in the city. I'm in verse 49, Luke 24, 49. Stay here in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Mm-hmm. And then the promise is repeated in the in Acts one eight. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. And so, you know that that next uh, blessing, that that empowerment that is going to come on them, is for is to empower them to to spread the gospel. I just want to touch on one other thing in Luke twenty four. Verse 52. Very quickly, can I just make one comment about what you were saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it will follow the train. Pentecost, the giving of the Spirit, comes 10 days after the ascension. Do I have my days right? Right. Um, And it's interesting that Peter's Pentecost sermon is really an ascension sermon. Yes. Um, And so we separate Pentecost and ascension. Um, They're really very closely linked together. And Peter's Pentecost sermon, in so many ways, is about the ascension of of Jesus Christ. That's exactly right. No, you're a good point. Um, I just wanted to touch on uh, verse 52, Luke 24, 52. Immediately after Jesus is carried up into heaven, verse 52 says, and they worshiped him. Mm -hmm. If there was any any doubt, uh, and it it amazes me that that there are... There are still people who want to call themselves Christians, and they they want to treat Jesus as some kind of an emissary of God or a representative of God, but not as divine Himself. And this is one more place, as if as if we need <laughs> as if we needed another one. There are thousands of them throughout the Bible that teaches us the full divinity of Jesus Christ, yeah. that He is worthy of worship and only God is worthy of our worship and and it says they worshiped him and appropriately so yes and the worship is in part because they're seeing the glory of god it says here in in acts chapter one he was lifted up and a cloud took him so he didn't get lifted up into a cloud a cloud took him and I believe this is referring to the what is referred to in the Old Testament as the Shekinah glory, mm-hmm. a, a, a cloud of glory. It's at the end of Exodus chapter 4. It says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And the, Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And I think what's being referred to in Acts chapter 1 is that cloud of glory. Yeah. Um, the, uh, and so what you have is Jesus going up with all of that 
glory that prevented Moses from even going into the tabernacle. Yeah. The same thing will happen with the dedication of the temple. And and I think it's pretty easy for them to be overawed and, and worship because they're seeing in, as much as human eyes can, the glory of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love what the angels say to the disciples as they're looking up into heaven. It says it in Acts 1.10, is, while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men, angels, stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now, I'm sure there's a huge amount of theology behind this, but I just love the fact that there's an immediate assurance, there's an immediate promise of Jesus's return. I mean, Jesus said he'll come again. He, he said, I'm, I'm preparing a place for you. And then again, the angels give that same theology. He's coming again. He's coming again. Mm-hmm. Being naive as a kid, I actually thought that on clear, cloudless days, I would think, well, there's no way Jesus is coming back today. <laughs> I, I can identify with those sentiments. Yeah. Um, you know, perhaps, he's coming on the clouds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, perhaps it's, a, perhaps it's a bit of a stretch. But when I hear that the word of those angels, why do you stand here looking up into heaven? I, I think there's a word. I really think there's a word for us there. We're not to stand around gawking at the heavens waiting for Christ to return. We're to trust in his return and get to work. Yes. We, we have work to do, serving our king and, and, and preaching the gospel, proclaiming the gospel to all nations. We do not stand around gawking at heaven waiting for his return. Amen. We have work to do. Well, you have been listening to the gospel for life. We'll see you next time. 